it's uh, it's been a while, Will. Yes. It's been too long, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I can tell. A couple days, yeah. There's, there's so much to talk about. It's been piling up. It's been weighing me down. Has it? On my shoulders. Don't you know? <laughs> Unfortunately, I could not make it to the event, the Moto Razor event. I saw, uh, you know, a lot of people were there. It was dimly lit. It was Blade Runner-esque. It was futuristic. Things were folding, Will. Mm. Phones were folding, Will. We've seen that before. As they would in 2019, 2020. Yes. And honestly, I was kind of impressed with what I saw from the event, even though I wasn't there. Right. I know you're in contact. You're in touch with all these people. Yeah. You're, you were a bit upset at one point. Yeah. You said... Hey, man, why can't I catch an email from Moto in 2019? I'm Willie Do right now. Sure, Motorola. <laughs> Give me a chance here. Come on. He's like, he's like, do you know who I am? I'm Willie Do in 2019. And I was like, Will, you don't have to put in a 2019 part. <laughs> I'm saying that in the washroom. <laughs> Just demanding it. Yeah. Like, I'm like, uh, uh, Will, it doesn't work if you say it in the mirror. Jack's gotta, like, what's going on you got to say it in real. You can't say it in the. Yeah. Willie, do in 2019. Moto. Moto who? I pitch a flag. <laughs> What's like, on the flag, Will? Uh, Willie, do 2019. Oh, okay. All right. You're campaigning. Yep. I think you get some votes as far as I'm concerned. So we're going to get one of these things in studio and obviously examine it. We're going to touch it as you would do with a smartphone that folds. But we got to see, we caught a glimpse from the other footage that's out there. And I've read a number of articles as well. And probably the most striking thing, the standout thing to me is the hinge. As it would be with any folding device, it's the area that people were incredibly skeptical about with the Galaxy Fold. People are still skeptical in terms of the Mate X, which I'm going to be talking about a little bit more as this show progresses. But Motorola kind of has a, a different approach to it where the display, it kind of shifts a bit inside of the housing. And this was shown off in a couple of different visuals where at the chin of the device, it actually slides up and down a little bit. It almost floats inside of the chassis. Mm. And because of this, from all the footage I've seen, it appears to have the least visible uh, crease in it compared to the other devices that are out there. Now, also because it's folding in a portrait configuration, the actual size of the potential crease is diminished as well because, of course, the others, they fold on the other axis and you end up with just, there's a bigger folded portion. Now, I was, I have the same durability issues and, and, and durability questions that everyone else does in the folding universe, particularly after what happened with the Galaxy Fold. This is a big question people have. All these folding devices have the premium price tag to go with them. This one obviously has its very own approach in the portrait style with the inspiration from the original Razer, but it's still coming at a price tag, 1500 bucks or around there, somewhere in that region, which is fully premium status. Mm -hmm. And so, because it's an investment for people, 
you gotta you gotta understand where they're coming from with the apprehension in relationship to durability. So the reason the hinge specifically stood out to me here, uh, alongside their implementation of that hinge, they they're also claiming at least during the first FCC analysis there was an IP rating for this device, hmm. which is very strange. And if it comes through on the final version of the device, not just the prototype, it would be the very first folding phone to have any kind of IP designation. And in fact, in the uh, FCC document, it's stated as IP68, water resistant, in a folding device. Hmm. Now, keep in mind, that initial documentation was, like I said, for the prototype. And we don't have official word on it yet. But... What this could indicate for us for the Razer 2019, if it does end up with this designation, that has major implications for durability as a whole, not just water resistance, because it would mean the seals around the mechanism and all this would just have to be a different caliber mm -hmm. than what we've seen from the devices that weren't approaching this designation. Mm. That might not hold true for the eventual release, the retail version of the device. Maybe they, they drop the certification, uh, the testing, the IP rating. That might happen. But it's looking like a very exciting device nevertheless. It is, in my opinion, the most futuristic-looking phone to date. Mm -hmm. I agree. You know I'm a future guy. I've been one. Yes. We come on here, we talk about the future a lot. It's the it's the nature of being a technology fan. You imagine you get that science fiction mentality. You 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 remember your exposure to the gadgetry of fiction and you see it come into come into reality. Mm -hmm. And it's there's something about it. Something exciting yes and this is one of those moments we need to be aware because those those moments you can you can go there can be gaps mm -hmm. between those moments this is one of those moments for me hmm. i love the fact that it has the throwback aspect to it as well if you were a razor owner i was it's an homage it's the future it's also the past the 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 package when it's folded up there's actually a reason for the folding because it gets so much smaller. I like the fact that the the display is well protected in the clamshell because you have to believe that's the most sensitive component as we've seen in devices up until this point. Look at the fit in the hand and the phone calls that no one no one has anymore, no one even phoning anyone, but you could have phone calls. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to. The other interesting tidbit, there are, it's a dual battery setup in there, which is uh, kind of interesting. They've had to split the battery setup in there to allow for the folding the way that they're doing it. I don't imagine it's going to have tremendous battery life, though. I actually, as much as I'm saying positive things about it here, as much as I'm, I'm talking about how futuristic it is and inspirational and exciting uh, there's going to be some drawbacks because of this design 
we've got these slabs in our pockets and they've been refined over a period of years here. And because they're essentially just rectangles, there isn't the same design complexity in something that moves and has hinges and is thin and is folded and is unfolded. So I don't think it's going to be the best at anything. You're going to give, probably give something up in camera performance. You're going to give something up in terms of battery life. You're going to give something up in terms of just overall performance because it's not even got the top-end Snapdragon in it. Mm -hmm. uh, you might give something up from a multimedia perspective. I've yet to hear the speakers. We'll see how that goes. The screen is obviously an unusual aspect ratio for productivity. You'll give something up in that department. Mm -hmm. But what you don't give up is excitement because, my goodness, you pull this baby out. 2049. Forget 2019. Will he do 2049? And then people picking up your phone calls for once. Mm. And it's not just you in the mirror anymore. Mm. People are going to take note. Mm. You just got to get Moto on the phone first to rectify the situation. So Moto, if you're watching this, will he do? He's upset. I never saw him like this before. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, it's kind of made for a scary place around here. So if we can get this sorted out, we can get back to work. I yeah. can enjoy my coffee and not have to cut the tension. Yeah, I don't want to mess around. I mean, it's a very dangerous place not a good currently. Look. So, anyhow, yeah, we'll get a video on it soon. It's cool. There's also a retro mode, Will. I don't know if you saw that. Mm -hmm. You can actually make the new Razer look like the old Razer, mm -hmm. and that's a real show-off tactic right there. Oh, yeah. If you pull that one off. So, it'll give you the actual number pad, and it'll make the display look like it's just in the top portion. That's that. Temp this, to me, is probably... Now my most anticipated phone, but when does it actually come out? Can we get a, can we get a date on that? When can when will it actually? When when do wait wait forget about that, Will. When do you think right now we're gonna have it in studio, based on your communications and your demands and the mirror talk? Go on the record right now on the airwaves. When is this thing gonna be in studio? Make make a prediction for the people. Today is November. 18th when we're filming this um i'm pretty confident in two weeks <laughs> he's going two weeks ladies and gentlemen he's getting in the studio in two weeks that Will puts a do? fire on me and i i don't mind that where does it where does it put the fire well oh you don't want to know puts it on your seat that's yeah. a fiery seat now yeah. cool all right he's on the record very exciting all right so now it's my most anticipated device see it's not coming out to january Two weeks is ambitious in the studio. They're going to have to company it if they bring it. It's yeah, we're not going to keep it. Probably. Okay, wow, this is nuts. All right, Will's making major claims right now. Yes. Because January 2020 is the actual expected release. Amazing, Will. What a time. Moto Razor here first on Unbox Therapy. Unboxed in two weeks. Willie do went on the record. Hold him accountable. All right, Will, you know the other big request has been uh, for unbox therapy videos be beyond the razor has been about the new MacBook, the 16 inch MacBook. I've actually got it right here. It's in studio and we just shot an unboxing video upstairs. Uh, it looks a lot like the old MacBook, obviously, and it's marginally bigger. Of course, it has the different keyboard. It has the different fingerprint scanner. It has the dedicated escape key. They also mess with the audio. It's got a bigger display. Uh, but it's very MacBook. Yes. At the end of the day, it's very MacBook. Of course, it's got upgraded specs internals, and you can spec it out like crazy. 
the video from upstairs on Unbox Therapy is going to be more comprehensive than this, but I found this article which is kind of in line with my thinking about this device for the time being. This is a post-Johnny Ive play. And, of course, we've been thinking and talking about some of Apple's decisions in the iPhone realm in relationship to battery life and in relation to uh, features and functionality potentially above design, potentially above thinness. The whole, there may be a slight tweak happening within Apple in the realm of form and function. The keyboard probably being the biggest with this particular thing, but it did get heavier and fatter. And that now makes another product in 2019 from Apple, which is fatter and heavier than the previous version of it. The iPhones and now the MacBook Pro. This one is a bit easier. It's an easier pill to swallow because you did get the extra screen real estate. But of course, Apple's also saying you're going to get another hour of battery life. There are advantages to this, obviously. And I want to, I'd like to commend Apple for, in my opinion, listening to the tech community. Because I'll tell you, Will, I'm going to give you a little story here. A little uh, history. I've been in this game making videos for a couple of years, at least. Sure have. And over the years, you... You go to trade shows. You go to CES. Uh, we got a video on the channel. We had a party at the Palms. Everybody was there in the tech community, or a lot of people were there. I can't say everybody. You had everybody in the tech community. We go around the room. Which smartphone are you actually using was the concept. Unfortunately, I, I wasn't at CES. I haven't been in a, in a while. But this, this is a fun thing. You go around the room. You hear the, the unfiltered. You see the conversation take place. And I'll tell you from personal experience, behind the scenes, the idea of increased battery life at the expense of potentially form factor, both in smartphones and laptops and elsewhere, was something that this community had been discussing for a long time in, the, in private. We would say, hey, man. They can make it a bit fatter. If we can get better battery life, we'll take it. Mm -hmm. So that was happening in those conversations in private amongst, obviously, a group of tech enthusiasts. And I think those conversations were also happening in a wider way across tech enthusiasts beyond even just people posting on YouTube. And I really feel like this is a, this is a, this is a move. This is a good move. It's a move that I appreciate. So we have a... Uh, a trend now. It's not just a move, now it's a trend, Will. And if Apple continues down this trend, down this path, I think it, it spells a positive uh, outcome, particularly for who Apple would consider pro users. Mm -hmm. This group that, that wants to just shift that line a little bit from form towards function. Mm -hmm. Now granted, they could have gone further, Will. Yeah, they could have made it like triple heavy. No, I didn't mean that. Super thick. I didn't mean that. Oh, okay. I mean, I could have done that. Yeah. But what I meant specifically is the, the diversity of ports on there. We oh. still are stuck in Thunderbolt right. land. And you and I talked about, you know, throw an SD. Yeah. So they're not going fully that way. But imagine it's not impossible.
If if people keep talking and, and making requests, they backtracked on the keyboard, they they thought about battery life, it's not an impossibility that they're not going to listen to users. So, mm -hmm. uh, But I will say I also tested out, and you can go check this out in the video, the unboxing video, tested out the microphone as well, the studio microphone. Really interesting stuff going on. Definitely worth your attention. Very expensive laptop, though. Important to know. But part of a trend. Now, speaking of trends, I know the 13-inch MacBook Pro is probably the popular MacBook Pro. It's the one I see in public more frequently. Mm -hmm. It obviously starts at a lower price point as well when compared to the what was the 15-inch MacBook Pro. Now it's the 16-inch MacBook Pro. In the video we shot upstairs, I was curious... Okay, how long are people going to have to wait to get this iteration of MacBook in the 13-inch form factor? Because pretty much everyone is staying away from this butterfly keyboard situation for the time being. Or, well, not everyone, but it's kind of been the, the general consensus that there is an issue here. And you might end up at the genius bar more often than you... Did they don't call it that anymore? I don't know. Did they get away from the genius terminology? I'm not too sure. Are they still geniuses? Because it might be, I don't know, is it intimidating? or they're, If they're geniuses, what are you? They still call it the genius bar. I don't think they're going to call it that forever. I'd be surprised if they call it that forever. Anyhow, you, as it stands today, if you've got this butterfly keyboard, there's a good chance you're going to meet a genius. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying here. There's a good chance you're going to end up in the shop. And I said personally, I've, I experienced issues with more than one device. You experience issue with the device. So I could see 13-inch buyers being anxious to have this non-butterfly keyboard implemented in that form factor. Well, we, have, we now have a report that this switch... This keyboard switch, switch. Uh, yeah. The switch of the keyboard switch could happen in the first half of 2020. So not too far off if you can wait. And this is uh, this is originally this comes from Digitimes, a Taiwanese publication. A lot of the laptop action actually happens in Taiwan. The report claims that the display size will remain at 13.3 inches, even though. They could not completely rule out the idea of a potentially larger 14-inch display. Obviously, we went to the 16-inch. It would make sense. You go to the 14-inch right. on the little one, but it seems they're predicting they're going to stick to the 13.3 form factor. Mm -hmm. Maybe in doing so, that one can remain a, a more portable option. Mm -hmm. It's possible if they can do the same thing and trim the bezels. I will say, with the 16-inch, with the I was kind of hoping the screen-to-body would be a bit more aggressive, kind of like those Matebook the MateBook product from Huawei, but it's not a, it's not a deal breaker mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Uh, apparently, the new 13-inch will follow suit with the physical escape key and the inverted T arrow key layout, which actually struck me. I didn't notice it in, the, in my early exposure to images of this device, but the key layout in the... where the directional... Buttons are over here, up, down, left, right. It's uh, it's altered pretty substantially. These are now half size, the left and right key, where they used to fill up 
this entire section of the keyboard deck. And so anyhow, I don't know if that's better or worse. I don't know about that, why, that, why that decision was made, but it is a departure from the old style. There, Willie Do showing off the old style. I guess it's not a big deal because that section over there, it's not like it got filled by something else now that you might click accidentally. It still occupies the same space. It's just the key is smaller. So I don't know if that's better or worse. I'm sure anybody can get used to it, but that will also probably be implemented with the 13-inch version. Of course, you're going to get all the upgraded specs. You, you might see a slightly improved resolution on the display. You're getting the new keyboard. You'll probably get the new sound. So if you're waiting for the 13-inch, the rumor at the moment is first half 2020. Maybe you can hold out on a 15 now, save a few bucks. The 13-inch is probably going to be at least seven, $800 cheaper to start than the 16-inch. We have exciting news in the land of electric vehicles, Will. I don't know if you saw this. We now have an electric Ford vehicle in the form of a Mustang Mach-E. This is a, it's a kind of strange play from Ford. But I can't say I mind it. It's tough out there in the world, Will. In the world of electric vehicles, it's a weird landscape. Untested, untried, uh, the traditional automakers, they had some various plays along the way. Some went super eco, the Nissan Leaf. There was a supposedly, what's the little one? Was there an electric Fiesta or Fusion or something that Ford had done in the past? It, it was, there seemed to be this gap. Teslas were cool. And then the other electric vehicles, it was all environmental and utility, and that's it. And it just wasn't as fun. Mm. And now it seems like Ford is going more the Tesla direction. They say, hey, let's put the Mustang badge on it because that's the most fun we have. Mm -hmm. We put the horse on it. That's fast. Mustangs are fun. There's a history there, speed. And all of a sudden, now you're playing in a similar space as Tesla. And it seems to have worked fairly well for Tesla because people get to enter the electronic vehicle age, the battery-powered ve uh, uh, vehicle age, without feeling like they're giving up some of the fun part of cars or speed or right. what, sportiness. What do you think about the actual model? It's weird looking. Don't you think that they would uh, actually have like a Mustang body instead so, and just make it EV? So here's the thing, Will. Here's, the, here's what I think. In North American automotive, they, they almost completely got out of sedans, cars. Mm-hmm. Because they saw the sales figures on the SUVs go up. Yeah. Particularly the crossover type of things. You, you till, is it a, you, what is it? Right. It's got a big trunk. People increasingly, especially in, in climates like ours, Will, you get to slush whatever you got going on outside there. People, they want a vehicle. They want to feel like it's a utility vehicle. Mm -hmm. And so Ford's probably sitting there saying, how can we do a utility vehicle? 
that also feels fast, that also feels cool, because it's going to, presumably, it's going to be expensive. Uh, you can spec it to $60,000, $70,000. It's probably going to be the only car that a person has. It's not going to be a second or third type of vehicle. So make it do everything. If you think about it, the Model S is a hatchback. Yes. The, the Model X is kind of an SUV like this. Mm -hmm. So maybe they just look around and they say, Tesla's had some success with these for formats. But I agree with you. It is weird then to put the Mustang badge exactly. on it because it's yeah. what is the connection? But it's definitely, it's a cool badge. It's a cool name. Mm -hmm. And one thing that it does from a design perspective is it puts pressure on the team that develops the vehicle to make the vehicle worthy of the badge. And for them to say, hey, if we're going to call it a Mustang, any type of Mustang, now performance matters to us. Mm. Now it's got to be, got to have a cool factor. It's got to have certain driving dynamics. Right. And things like this. So I can't say I mind it when you put the whole package together, but I do think there will be initially some confusion about what exactly makes it a Mustang. Because the Mustang, of course, has historically been this two-door. Muscle car. Race car, basically. Yeah. For the race car for the road. That's Anyhow, inside, inside this car, it looks very Tesla-inspired. Let's be honest. It has the giant portrait display in the center. Granted, it has a, an interesting volume knob. There's still a knob in there. Kirk's a big yes. fan of the knob. He still wants at least one knob for, for volume. I feel him on that. That's, that seems important. Yeah. Got to have one. But otherwise, it looks like a giant display in the center. Not a lot of buttons. Some buttons on the steering wheel. Very futuristic. Mm -hmm. As far as I'm concerned, as a very futuristic-looking vehicle... I think I think people can get excited about this, and honestly, I think it's the better play. I, I I just how far can you go, Will, without any cool factor? How far can you go with the strictly economy thing when you're asking people for fifty grand? It's tough. It's a tough pitch. A lot of those strictly economical buyers, they'll just say, "Well, I'll just get a fuel efficient car." The cool buyer, on the other hand, maybe they spend a little bit more. They're, they're, look at my cool electric car. It seems small, but I think it's significant. And so I commend them for that. And I'm not the only one commending them for that because Elon came out and actually congratulated them on Twitter. Oh, okay. He came out, and uh, here's, the, here's what he said. By the way, pricing is going to be between... 43,000 and 60,000. There's so many extra models here. They're, they have so many model options. Uh, it's also got uh, a lot of storage space in it, huge trunk as well as a frunk. And all the videos I've seen from the event, people are saying it's got good space inside. So it seems to be big factor for them. That is actually going to be a practical vehicle that happens to also be cool. That seems to be their angle. They have a GT Performance Edition. They have a Premium Edition and some other editions in between, as you can see Willie Do showcasing here. There's a first edition. So you can get the red color for that. Mm. California Route 1. I mean, so many editions. I think the GT Performance is the best, though, right? Yeah. That's the hot model. You mm. see that, Will? That's You got to show people what's happening. Mm. I like the grill. You see that? It's futuristic. You get the futuristic. Nice. 
So here's what Elon Musk had to say. Congratulations on the Mach-E exclamation point. Sustainable slash electric cars are the future. He tweeted this on Sunday. Excited to see this announcement from Ford as it will encourage other car makers to go electric too. So there you have it. A congratulatory tweet. That's the way to play it, Elon. That's what you do, Will. When, when you're in this type of situation, you, you're gracious. Yes. You showcase graciousness. And people say, oh, wow. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a cool guy. Yeah, not bad. He's ready to go, and, and he probably understands as well as we do that more players in the space is better for the overall space. And it pushes. We, we talked about the competition, competition. with the uh, Taycan. Yes. Taycan, Taycan. It's it's a fun it's a fun little thing, and now we're having fun and Ford's involved, so it's getting better for electric vehicles. Yeah, get Ford on the track. Ford's know. on the track. Yeah, they're spinning around the track. GT performance. Oh, oh, by the way, so speaking of performance, it's going zero to sixty in around four between maybe around four seconds. So it is going to be it's going to be a fun probably be a fun car to drive. Yeah, the Mustang Mach E. Kirk was talking about the name earlier, Maki. I was saying it sounded like some kind of Japanese dish. Yeah. Maki. Yeah. I'll take uh, I'll take a green tea Maki. You see what I mean? But you're supposed to slow it down and say Mach E. Targeting 0 to 60 in mid 3 second range. Okay, that's for the GT, the GT version yeah. of it. So that one's going to be even faster. Exciting times. Targeted range of 300 mile, exciting times, very cool. How about this one, Will? Dude pranks San Francisco by placing AirPod stickers all over the city. This would drive you crazy, wouldn't it? Yeah. Guy like you, that would drive you nuts. Definitely. You know how I love collecting AirPods from yeah. sewage. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, he painted these life-size high-res stickers of AirPods, single individual little AirPods, and he stuck them all over the city. You can see there's an image here of one of them on top of a sewer grate. There's a there's a couple on pavement. There's even a video, if you scroll down a little further, of him sticking one of these. There you go. Play that video right there. Shout out to Pablo. You stick it right there. You see how that goes, Will? And <laughs> and somebody comes along and say, hey, there's an AirPod. And they reach down and they realize nothing is what it seems to be. Nothing is as it seems. Wouldn't that drive you nuts, Will? Well, yeah. I mean, I wanted an AirPod. And, and but you know what's weird about it? <laughs> it's just one AirPod. He never puts two AirPods. Right. That would be that would be unbelievable if it was two AirPods. Yeah, yeah. You'd say, "Who's watching me?" You'd you'd start looking yeah, over your shoulder. Yeah. Is this a prank? So far, Rochat—that's the guy's last name—has witnessed a few gullible people fall for the stickers. He says, "That's the best part. I love putting AirPod stickers on the ground and standing back to see people try to pick them up." He's just in the corner, just like <laughs> having a grin on his face. Some people are amused by it, but a few have been angry. That they were pranked. Joke's on them. That's his quote. Uh. You know the thing about pranks, Will? Remember the whole pranking thing of YouTube? 
Mm-hmm. Everyone's pranking everyone. There's pranks going on. The homepage is all pranks. Yeah. Uh, gold digger prank, mm-hmm. luxury car pranks. I told my girlfriend something prank. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend freaked out yeah. on a Saturday prank. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of those. Oh, man. It was a whole era. Anyway, anyway, the the reason the pranking thing went off track, it got too extreme. Yeah. Death prank. Yeah. Fall off a skyscraper prank. Mm -hmm. Kidnapping prank. It got too intense. And then, so there's no fun in it anymore. This is a prank. This is very harmless. It's a a nice, it's a little, it's a little ha-ha. It's a little hoo-hoo. Little ha-ha. Nobody gets hurt. And it takes two seconds out of your day. And maybe you even put a smile on your face about it. Yeah. That's the right kind of prank. So, big fan of this AirPod prank. Although, it could get out of hand. You could imagine these stickers being like everywhere. Then everywhere. the environmental people are upset. Yes. Yeah. There's AirPod stickers all over these cities. Then all of a sudden, you got Greta on the case. Yeah. She's coming for you. Mm-hmm. So, be careful with it. You don't want to mess with her. But... If you want to mess around a little, you can actually print your own 2D AirPods. There's a free template, and Pablo tweeted it out. So you can go check that out. It's pablorochat.com slash freebies. Just don't, just keep it, you know, just go after a couple friends, have a laugh, move on with your day. Mm-hmm. Apple executive, kids with Chromebooks are not going to succeed. Wow. <laughs> A bold statement. <laughs> well, it's a bit rough. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's out of context. Uh, but it does seem a bit harsh. Phil Schiller, head of marketing at Apple, says that if you want a kid to succeed in school, they should use an iPad. As you of would. Course, yeah. <laughs> as you would if you were an executive at Apple. Yeah. You'd probably say that. Uh, he's mad at Google, mad at Chromebooks. Some people are mad at Chromebooks, Will, because... It kind of acts as your entry point into the Google, the greater Google universe. They hook you when you're young. Oh, I bet you need a Gmail. Can we help you with some docs? You open up the coat. Got any docs? Need some docs? (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, You open up the coat. They rope you in with the... But what's weird about what's weird about that criticism is what other services are you going to use and who's doing a good job of it? <laughs> How about Apple goes out and makes those services for us and then you're not cuz the problem is even with an iPad these kids are probably still going to end up in Google Docs right. for their school stuff. Mm-hmm. Cuz cuz the school needs some sort of formula, some sort of uh utilities and resources and schools don't have unlimited funds. So Google makes it easy for them to have the utilities that they need. Can you imagine the Microsoft equivalent once upon a time, all the licenses and yeah. Word? <laughs> you remember that? We had to do that. We had to have all those. But today, imagine spending that kind of money on those services when Google's going to offer it up the way they do with the convenience they have. Yeah, the PowerPoints and the Word, Excel. It gets crazy. I don't know what Office is doing these days. I suppose there's some kind of subscription. Maybe they give a break to schools. They probably have something to compete. 
But in my experience, it seems to be that in these types of scenarios, it's going to be Google Docs. All right. In, in my limited exposure, that's what I've seen. And then once you've made that decision, then how do you really criticize the Chromebook specifically? Because the Chromebook is just a gateway into those services. And I don't think kids would be against the idea of using an iPad. I think they'd love to have an iPad, particularly an iPad Pro with all those accessories and stuff. Mm -hmm. But you got to remember at that stage, cost is such a big feature. Yes. That's the entry point. That's the thing that gets considered greatly, particularly if you're going to cross an entire school board or something. Chromebooks, uh, 200 bucks. Right. Probably starting even lower than that. And it's, an iPad Pro with a keyboard case, 1200 bucks. Yeah. So it's really an unfair, kind of an unfair comparison, to be honest, and, and a bit uh, inconsiderate, I guess. But obviously, I understand where he's coming from. He's saying, here's his, part, his, here's his case to be made. The iPad is an, is an inspirational product. It'll inspire you. It's... Will, you're saying, why are you smirking like that, Will? I'm saying, like, why don't he put his, uh, oh, his e where his easy, money is? Oh, easy, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Be like, hey, man, just subsidize. First like you're in the mirror yelling at Motorola. <laughs> now you're telling Phil Schiller to put his money where his mouth is? Trying to make movements here. <laughs> Willie just fired up today. He, he should just subsidize, like, massively. I'm sure they do. I'm sure Apple does stuff like that. Then why why complain then? Yeah, like, I'm sure Apple know? does a certain amount of that, but I don't know across the board, across the world, that they could have as big of an impact as just a low cost Chromebook. That's disruptive. Mm -hmm. That no matter where you go, has inserted itself into the ecosystem now because it's useful for a, especially for different areas that are cost strapped and they just need a quick solution and they can't send an email to Phil Schiller like Willie Do can. Well, Flexing. I guess I'll talk to him. Then. You might have to talk to him, Will. Uh, but I, I hear where he's coming from. I just want to make sure I cover both sides of it here. He's saying that Chromebooks are kind of boring and frumpy, particularly at the low price point, and they don't get people excited about technology specifically. If you play with a new iPad Pro, it feels futuristic. You're, you're drawing. Maybe you download some creative apps. Uh, music production app I was goofing with. It does feel in a way you could understand the, the inspirational component that he's making the case for, saying kids should have iPads because it's less of a traditional mindset around computers. Yes. That you're, you're, you're typing, and that's the only thing you can do. And you just got to get into docs. Yes. So that's, I'm just trying to represent his side of it. No, I get it. iPads are mainly representative for like creatives. Right? See? Yeah, there's so, so many apps. For I'm just trying to cover the other side. Totally. But maybe this is one area where we can go to the audience. I'm sure there's somebody in the audience who uh, has been in a, a school environment, school board, works for a school or something. They, they, they're going to be able to tell you better than anyone else why the Chromebook and the Google stuff mm. is what it is in that environment. So let us know in the comment. Huawei has launched the Mate X in China. Well, it finally happened. It's not launching anywhere else. Not immediately, but it happened. It's a physical product. It's a real thing in China for now. Mm. Uh, that makes the two most recent Huawei devices 
mostly China releases. Because, of course, we were talking recently about the Mate 30 Pro. Now you can add the Mate X to that list. It's expensive. It's very expensive. It might be the most expensive phone, in fact. It's 1700 local currency in China. Uh, what's that going to convert to? 2500 bucks USD? Around there, right? Yeah. Maybe 2600 was originally what it was going to be. It went online on Huawei's online store, and it sold out within minutes. People, hey, man. Hey, man. I think people knew what they were, what they're in for. Anyone buying one of those devices also got 50% off screen-related repairs and replacements. Interesting. A little insurance policy. Yeah. Preparing for it. Uh, now, listen. I am still incredibly skeptical, particularly in the durability department. We were trying to get our hands on one forever. It never happened. It what, will. It, it will. will. Okay, here's Willie Do going on the record. He's having a day. It's Willie Do's show today. Mr. It's his Wall world. Man. We're just living in it today. Yeah. What's your What's your statement on this one? When are we getting this? Uh, Two weeks. <laughs> no, no, this one's a bit, a bit longer. I would say two months. Two months, okay. Two months. Wow. Will, all right, people are marking on your calendars. They're going to hold you accountable as they should. Twitter feed going to blow up. So we were trying to get our hands on it. They were obviously being careful after what happened with the Fold. And what's special about this one, unlike any of the other products that have come since in the folding region, this one folds the other way. The least durable component, the soft screen, lives on the outside of the device. The more of these things that I see where manufacturers are doing the opposite and folding inwards, the more I wonder about this early design and how it can possibly hold up long term. I'm, I'm, I can't help but be skeptical. It's hard. I hope it's not the case. The more form factors, the better. It's all very exciting for people like us. But it remains the only device to approach it in that fashion. Wait a bit. Wait a minute. Did the FlexPi do that? Yes. The FlexPi folded. Which way did the FlexPi fold? Did it? No. The FlexPi folded that way. That's the only other one. So. But who uses the, the No one's using it. But the Mate <laughs> X is in a weird camp right now. It's just the Mate X and the FlexPi. And every, every other reputable brand realized we got to fold it inwards. We're scared. And in the case of the Fold, their, their, their fear was justified. And we'll see what Motorola is capable of pulling off. But for the time being, this is the first real big brand actually available. You can It launched officially where the, where the screen is on the outside of the device. So if they ever do send it to us, which Willie Do is now guaranteed, we're going to get to the bottom of that and see how it holds up because I, I still want to use it. It feels like a long time ago we first heard about it, but I still want to use it. I want to see how that works because as I told you with the Galaxy Fold, the thing was open all the time. I'm never using that little tiny screen on the outside. This one, if this design makes durability sense, gives you a real smartphone 2019 form factor even when it's folded, which is unique to this device. So I'm still curious. And... It's all happening in two months. Hey, Will, you ever, you, you, you big, do you order the food? Are you ordering the food? 
Uh, no. You're not ordering. Particularly, no. What do you do? You go out. You don't mind going out. No. You can go pick something up. Yeah. 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 Me too. I go out, I pick something up. Yeah. Does not bother me. I don't mind. Yeah. But a lot of people are ordering the food these days. I'll tell you what. So many people are ordering the food. Of course, I'm talking Uber Eats, DoorDash. Skip the dishes. Skip the dishes. Well, we could go on and on. There's 4,000 of these now, these days. It's changing restaurants forever. They're not going to be what they were. Now we're talking about dark kitchens. Doesn't that, doesn't that sound cool? Dark kitchens. Meet you at the dark kitchen. Sounds spicy. We got this report here from Reuters. You want to try that one, Will? <laughs> what did you call it that one time? Reuters? <clears throat> Routers. Routers, like a yeah, Wi-Fi a, router. We had a laugh. Yeah, that's cool. Routers. Anyway, Reuters is how it's normally. At least that's the way I hear it. Restaurants are doing away with dining rooms as consumers increasingly order food deliveries through apps such as Uber, Eats, and Grubhub. And others, of course, as we mentioned earlier. They're just going to be pickup spots. <laughs> They're just going to be holes in in the wall and you enter and it's a counter and you just grab and go and you've already done the thing on the app in advance and it will cater to people who want to prepare for their own pickup or want to order through one of those companies hmm. so it will streamline the process because they're saying right now all these people coming in here like re regular citizens are trying to eat here they're slowing us down yeah, with the big old bag, and it's like... No, not them, not them. I'm saying the, you, the regular human. Oh. If you came in and, and, you're, and you say, I want to eat in. Where's the dining room? You say, get, get out of here. You're wasting our time. <laughs> That's rude. No, they say... But it's a reality, you're saying? They say, you know how many orders we have? Look at the lineup of the guys with the delivery bags. Yeah, with their bags, right? The, the guys with bags. the bags and the people who just want to uh, configure the app and just right. pick it up. Which I, I use the app for different restaurants. I'll use the apps in, in advance. I've done that. Mm -hmm. And then I still go and pick up. And they're just saying now we with the increase in the deliveries and the pickup and the decrease in the dine-in and yeah. the dine-out, yeah. humans, <laughs> humans leaving their homes ever for any reason, yeah. we have now got to shift more towards catering to the to the new group and away from catering to the old group right to find better efficiency so we can keep making more sales they can't keep up with it there's a lot of companies trying this out chick-fil-a is trying this out they're calling it delivery kitchens they're gonna be launching in chicago los angeles and san francisco uh the the, the, the some of them are going to be run by doordash as a delivery platform there's a startup, in fact, called Cloud Kitchens. Kitchens in the cloud. Which the co-founder of Uber is actually somehow involved in. And this is actually going to be a kitchen platform for the various restaurants to, in with each other, mm. prepare the foods in the same location so the delivery guy has one place to go. Mm. So you could have Wendy's there. You could have Chick-fil-A in the same kitchen and the DoorDash guy 
he's just streaming in and out. Cloud Kitchen. It's a lower commitment. You don't need to put up a whole location. And they're targeting national chains. Wendy's said during its October 11 Investor Day, it aimed to open two dark kitchens by the year's end in high delivery markets. You imagine this, Will? So how is this set up? I'm trying to figure that out. It's just a counter. That's it's it. just like a like a room you go in. And it's, it's a like kitchen a that can prepare a wide variety of these dishes, and it's just a counter. And everything is configured in advance. You either have the app and you're ready to pick so it up. So this kitchen has a wide variety of like other It could. Restaurants. It, it, it could. It could be like in Cloud Kitchen's case, it could be. So it could be like Chick-fil-A and Wendy's and then McDonald's or something. All in one kitchen. It maybe. It would be lower commitment that way. But in as you can see from Wendy's here, they're they're saying, or Chick-fil-A, they're saying we have enough volume to do our own. And you see what ends up happening here is they're able to find better efficiencies between the restaurant and the pickup location. Because as you see right now, it's a disaster in those places. If you ever go to a place that has a separate lineup for right. Skip the Dishes or Uber Eats, it ruins the experience. If you're sitting there and these guys, it's an assembly line of giant cargo bags coming in and out, boatloads of food leaving the place, and also... If they don't have a dedicated separate lineup, it can really screw up the flow. Right. So a lot of places had to implement this separate area and then a sign saying Uber Eats go here. Yes. This is just the next version of that. Have them go to a separate pickup depot huh. on its own to streamline the process. Right. So everything's changing. That's, that's, that's the world we live in, Will. Everything's changing. Mm -hmm. It's all delivery and pickup. You're not sitting down in the restaurant. In in 50 years, you're not sitting down in a restaurant. Everything so, is coming. It's all dark kitchens. Yeah. It's all dark kitchens. Everything's delivered. You never leave your house. You just strap in. VR? Yeah. You yeah. plug in. Everything's coming and going. Yeah. Oh, Amazon, five-minute delivery. All your stuff. Get your toilet paper. You probably don't even, I don't even know if you need toilet paper in the future. You probably don't, right? There's other systems in play. Yeah. You the, eat only sterile food. You don't have to. You need the, the fat chair. You get like that chair. Wally. So that's Willie Do right there, 50 years. Yeah. There he is. What a guy. All right, last one for me, Will. Do you know why people are left-handed? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, we're going to wait a second here. Why are people left-handed, Will? All right, never mind. I mean, genetics. No. I mean, you know. Stop it. <laughs> I was left-handed. No, you I can't. Was, B. Right. I was, yeah. They slapped it out of you? They sure did. That's rude. Yeah. I was Whoa. holding a pencil with my left hand, and they're like, no. Oh, they did that to you? Yeah, that's they like forced the, me, man. That's like the old-fashioned way. Yeah. They think is they it's discouraged like witchcraft it. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the old-fashioned thought on that. Yeah. I listened to an incredible podcast about this, and then I happened upon this article, so I've been kind of interested in it. Okay. Uh, across human populations, 10% of people are left-handed. Yes. A clean, steady 10%. Wait, what? Why? How? But how? And it hasn't changed? Tell me why. No, not for a very long time, and it's bizarre amongst, amongst the animal kingdom compared to the animal kingdom. Is it increasing or decreasing? Stays the same. St stays the same. Stays the same. Huh. Well, 
my understanding with other creatures is that they have left and right handedness, but at a completely random rate. 50 50. So different, very, various creatures, they pick a hand, they go with it. Humans, always 90 10. Wait, what? Always 90 10. Why 90 10? So there's a lot of speculation. And a podcast I listened to, it was a, they presented a couple of different potential reasons as to why. Okay. But this particular article on livescience.com goes with one of them that I personally find to be interesting. So they think, first of all, that the right-handedness has something to do with language because we talk a lot. And over the, the many years it took to develop speech and language, we, there was a left-brain, right-brain thing that took place. And so it created a, a physical emphasis or a proficiency on the right side of the body for right-handedness. Okay, fine, whatever. We don't have to dive too deeply. This is about left-handedness. If that's the case, why do you keep the 10% left? And this particular theory, which is interesting to me, is that, is that you have left-handedness because of combat. Because of combat. And so I started looking into this, and it maps to sports as well. You have an overrepresentation of left-handers in plenty of major sports, which sports are some kind of modern civil version of combat. Hmm. In baseball, you have a way overrepresentation of left-handers because of pitching. Hmm. And in pitching, it's kind of like combat because what you're trying to do is show a person something they don't usually see. And in, and, and in fighting, when if you have to fight a southpaw, it can be really disorienting if you haven't trained against a southpaw. So what they think is that, first of all, righties have dominated for as far back as 500,000 years, as far as they can tell, going back to Neanderthals, way back. Uh, but in combat, they think that a left-hander would have an advantage because they only represent 10% of the potential people you might encounter in a combat scenario. And therefore, your, your likelihood of being prepared for that is less. And that, that, that could be a surprise attack. So if you had, imagine you had, Will, some sort of a battalion, Willie Do's battalion. Yes. And back in the day, before you had all kinds of weapons and stuff, it was going to be some kind of hand-to-hand -hand combat, swords, something like that. Uh -huh. All of a sudden, you put some lefties in there just to throw off the other squad. And they start killing it? And the lefties are just crushing. No one's ready yeah. for it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, those lefties, they get rewarded within the society because those lefties are heroes. So what do those lefties get to do? They get to stick around. Right. It's an interesting, it's an interesting concept. So the idea, let me just one okay, quote here. Okay. One quote. The idea is that in hand-to-hand -hand combat or in combat with weapons, there is an evolutionary advantage to being a minority left-hander. If you're left-handed, you have a surprise advantage because most people are used to fighting against right-handers. That lefty advantage has been shown in one-on-one -on -one sports like fencing. Scientists report in 2010. So just one more thing, okay? If there is a benefit to being right-handed, which would lead to the 90% right-handed uh, frequency, then why do you keep the 10%? Why doesn't genetics uh, selection and so forth, 
Why doesn't it weed it out? There must be some advantage to keeping a minority left around. So that's that's the way the concept breaks down. It's kind of interesting. I see. But when it comes to like really brutal war, left-handers get an advantage. Wouldn't you breed more left-handers? But you can't. It found some natural level on you, you see but what you I'm can saying? Force people to like you know go southpaw. You can't. They they they're able to track this discrepancy in the womb, Will. They'll see a fetus have go for the left thumb to suck on the left thumb. So right. in, in a way, you could argue. So if you take Willie Do, for example, when there was a young Willie Do writing with his left hand, hmm. if we were in combat times, or if I thought you were gonna be a star pitcher, the last thing I would do is smack your left hand. Right. I'd be saying, I'd be saying, this guy's a mighty warrior. I'd say keep writing with that left hand. Yeah. Get good with that left hand, because I need, I need a left hand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's just the difference. And then at some point in time, people uh, stopped. I guess people tried to correct it, as you stated in your yeah. in your case. So how did that go for you, by the way? Now that we're in a, you know what? I don't really remember. At what point in your life did you? Did they smack you for using your left? Well, I don't know if they smacked me, but they really did try to convert me. At what stage? In which they succeeded. Um, probably when I started writing. Like when right. I naturally tended towards... What is that, like thing. five years old or something? Four years old? Four or five? Yeah. Yeah. Around there. Five years old. Now, what about throwing a ball? Uh, with my right. Oh, so you went fully right at that point. I, I guess so. Wow. I don't know, my mind You're shell-shocked, man. You got PTSD right now. But there now. are times, I mean, I swing uh, left-handed. Right. Yeah. Okay. Like golf and uh, hockey. Yeah, but see, that's a whole different thing once you go yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The throwing is more yeah, yeah. mechanically difficult. There are a select group of people who are ambidextrous, who, can, who are coordinated yeah. with both hands as yeah. well. But anyway, I thought it was interesting. If there's any lefties in the audience... Let me know your personal experiences. Very cool. In sports and otherwise. And and get involved. Go throw a ball. Do some boxing or whatever. You have an advantage. Yeah. Just straight out the gate. You got some kind of advantage. You don't this is a lesson for life. It's all about perspective. Sometimes things that are seen by others as a deficiency can be a proficiency. Yeah. If utilized, if developed, if embraced. You never know what you got when you got a left hand. But you, you, well, you have a left hand. Yeah, they should embrace that uh, back in the day they could be tribal war gods. Yeah. They were By the way, I that. should also note, there's people that dispute this finding. Oh, okay. They still don't really know. So, anyhow. There you have Interesting. it. Willie do, ladies and gentlemen, he used to be a left-hander. Today he's not. But who knows, given enough time and practice, he may go back. Maybe, yeah.